This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. The Bible is filled with commandments. If you studied the Bible at all, I know you understand that. Now, now suppose you were given the task to take your Bible and begin to search throughout your Bible to find the greatest commandment of all. The greatest commandment that's ever been given to man. Which commandment would you find? I want you to stay tuned today because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. The first and great commandment. Now, now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And I emphasize this course is free. And we want you to have it in order that you might have it. We're going to pause long enough that you can learn something about this Bible course and how you might receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading now from Matthew, the 22nd chapter, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. And one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and then the Pharisees took their turn at Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. And they were all trying to ensnare Jesus in his speech. And the lawyer asked this question. What's the greatest commandment in the law? Now, now if there's anyone who should have known the answer to that question, it should have been this lawyer. He was a one who knew the law, the law of Moses. He knew the commandments of the law. So if there's anyone that should have known that, and he shows, I think, that he was not truly sincere in asking Jesus' question. And that's when Jesus answered, this is the first and great commandment that's in the law. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. 
Why do you suppose that this is a great commandment? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons that we suggest to you that it's a great commandment. First of all, because this commandment is directed toward our Creator. God is the one who created us, and we're told to love the one who made us, the one who created us. In Psalms chapter 100, the psalmist says, It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. So why shouldn't we love him? In Psalms chapter 95 and 6, the psalmist said, Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. He is our maker. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, Solomon said, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. He is our creator, our maker. He is the one who has made us, and we did not make ourselves. I can't think of a reason we shouldn't love God. When you stop and realize that God is the one who's responsible for our very existence in this world. This is a great commandment because it, from this commandment, flows obedience to God. I know the word obedience is a little distasteful to some nowadays, but the Bible teaches obedience. And obedience suggests someone who is an, an authority over us. God's an authority. He's the supreme authority. And it's because we love him that we carry out his commandments. As a matter of fact, Jesus in John chapter 14 and verse 15 said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now if you love him, you can do what he says. One translation puts it like this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that's exactly right. I want to read a passage from 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. You see, when you love God, and God tells you something in his word that he wants you to do, doing it is not like a burdensome task for you, but it's something that you do because you love the one who is called your Father in heaven. You see, we love him. And because we love him, we keep his commandments. And, and another reason I'd suggest to you that this is a great commandment is because of the benefit of keeping this commandment. The benefit of loving God. There are no downsides to loving God. I've never thought about a downside to loving God. But there is a benefit to loving him. Now I want to read a passage. It's about faith, but it ties in with what we're talking about. And that's found in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That is, that God exists. So if you come to God, you believe that he exists. And that he is a rewarder of all of them that diligently seek him. 
Folks, those that are diligently seeking God are people who love Him enough to do what God tells Him to do. So when we love God, and, and we, we, we show our love for God by obeying His commandments. And there's that benefit. He, he becomes the rewarder of all of those who diligently seek Him. In other words, there's benefit to loving God. And the benefit is that we have blessings that are showered upon us in numerous ways. First of all, there are the spiritual blessings that are found in, in Christ in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Who does that? God does that. God showers spiritual blessings upon those who are in Jesus Christ. Now, now that being the case, I want to learn from the Bible what I must do to be in Jesus Christ and what I have when I am in Jesus Christ. Because, you see, this ties in with my loving God and my obeying God. And God is a rewarder of those that seek Him, that love Him, and that obey Him. So what are some of those spiritual blessings? Well, salvation is one of those blessings. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul wrote, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation is in Christ. Now remember that. Another blessing we have is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So because we love God and we fear God and keep His commandments, we can have that spiritual blessing. Another spiritual blessing is found in Romans the 8th chapter and verse 1. And that verse tells us there is therefore now, that's right now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So there's no condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ. Now let's pause right now. Here are three things that we've learned. You're in Jesus and you have salvation. You're in Jesus and you're a new creature, you're in Jesus, and you are not condemned. Now that leads me to ask a question. How then does one get into Jesus Christ when he loves God enough and keeps his commandments? How do we get into Christ? How is it that I get in a relationship with God so that he rewards me as one of his children? Well, I'll call your attention again to the Bible. I know what men say about getting into Christ and being saved and the like, but I'm going to trust the, the words of the Holy Spirit that were given by inspiration of God found in your Bible. And I want to turn in your Bible, turn, if you will, to Galatians, the third chapter, and verse 26 and 27. For you are all the children of God. Where are you children of God? They're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Remember that now. Children of God by faith 
in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. So they became children of God by faith in Jesus Christ and by being baptized into Christ. That's how we become children of God today, isn't it? Jesus said in your Bible, in Mark 16 and verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. When we love God enough, we really love Him enough, we're going to keep those commandments. That's why this commandment is such a great commandment. Well, what are the implications of this statement that, that, that the great commandment is to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul? Well, what's implied by that? Well, one thing that's implied is that God exists, that He's not a phantom. He's not the imagination of some distorted idea. God is real. God exists. You say, well, how do we know He exists? In Isaiah, the, the 45th chapter, beginning at verse 5, God wrote through the pen of Isaiah, I am the Lord. And there is none else. We live in a pluralistic society where people say, well, you have your God, I have my God. You have your way of salvation, I have my way of salvation. You have your truth, and I have my truth. God said, I am the Lord, and there is none else. Then he continued, there is no God beside me. Uh, somebody says, well, what about my God? There is no God beside me. I girded thee. Now that's how it reads in the King James Version, so I thought uh, that I'd read it out of the New King James, which is a little bit, has a little bit more modern language. And it says, I will gird you. Same thought. That simply means I'm going to surround you and I'm going to hold you up. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. God was still there. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. You see, when I suggest to you that we're to love God, that implies that God is real. Father was watching the evening news. He's a little boy uh, down in the floor of the den, and he was drawing something. His father asked him, son, said, well, what are you drawing? Why, well, he said, Daddy, I'm drawing God's picture. Why, well, he said, son, no one knows what God looks like. The little boy said, they will when I get through. We, we may not know what God looks like, but we know God is real. Another thing that is implied is that he is the supreme ruler. He rules over the universe. He rules over everything there is. If you were to get the greatest telescope that has ever been made, and if you were to point that out into space, everything you could see, hope to see through that telescope was something that God made and over which God rules. God rules over all. As Paul put it in Ephesians 4 verse 6, there is one God who is above all, through all, and he is in you all. So God exists. I, I think about the way that we sometimes reason about 
what we know and what we think we can do and our thinking about different things. And that there's some people that think their thinking is so superior to that of anybody else on earth. And I think about those statements made in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. But for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts than your thoughts, and my ways than your ways. Oh, God's thoughts are so superior to our thoughts. If you were to take the smartest men there, that have ever lived on the face of this earth, and if there was a way that you could collect all of the knowledge they have, and all of the collective knowledge of all of the intelligent people that have ever lived on the face of this earth, would not be any more than like the point on a pen. Just a speck compared to how great the thoughts of God really are. My thoughts are not, are not your thoughts. And he said, my ways are not your ways. People think they're so intelligent sometimes. They, they think that they've come up with something new. They think that they've come up with something that's going to make the world a better place in which to live. You know, God's ways are always best. God's way to live on this earth is always best. God's way to serve Him is best way. God's way to worship is the best way. God's way to be saved is the best way. God's way to treat your neighbor is the best way. You see, God's ways are superior to the ways of man, just like the heaven is higher than the earth. Now another thing that is implied by saying that, that we're to love God is that we need Him. Do you feel a need for God today? I, I'm talking to some people right now. I'm almost certain feel a need for God. There's a void in your heart, isn't there? You see, I believe that in the human heart of man that there is a place reserved for God some have tried to put drugs in that place. Some have tried to put prolific, prolific living in that place. Some have tried to put profanity in that place. Some have tried to put pornography in that place. Some have put uh, uh, other things in that place. But the only place that the only place that place is reserved for God in your heart, and you need Him, and we do need Him. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, the, there the prophet said, O Lord, listen to him now, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Oh, sometimes people think they are so intelligent. I think of part, Romans chapter 1 and verse 22 where Paul said, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Sometimes we think we're so intelligent that our thinking is so superior to, to other people and even superior to God. And that's how we've tried to conduct things on this earth for the last number of years, maybe the last century. And look where it has gotten us. Anytime you turn your back upon God, my friend, that's a recipe for disaster. We all need Him. And when I say that I love the Lord, that suggests that I realize 
I need him in my life. And when we suggest to you that another thing implied by saying we love God, it is suggested by that that you can do otherwise than love God. I wish that I could tell you as I'm uh, producing this telecast right now that, that I believe that all people everywhere love God. I, I wish I could come to the point in my life I could really, really believe that. But I've been living a little too long on this earth to be deceived that way because all men and women on this earth do not really love God with all of their heart. You see, as psalmist said in Psalms 10 and 4, some don't even have a thought of God in their heart. They don't even think about God. In Romans the first chapter, three times Paul said God gave them up. God gave them up to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient. You see, they didn't have a thought of God in their mind. And when you don't think about God, you don't respect Him either. In Romans, the third chapter, in verse 18, the Bible there says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. And about the most charitable thing I could say about some in our society, they don't fear God any longer. There's no fear of God before their eyes. But how do we really love God? How do we really love God? Well, we are told that we love God with all of our heart. Notice that Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, Solomon said, Keep thy heart. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. How do, you, how do we do that? With all diligence. With all care. Keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. You see, it is with the heart that we do certain things. The Bible teaches that's with the heart that we remember things. In Psalms 119 and verses 9 through 11, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So we remember with the heart. We also understand with the heart. In Matthew 13 and 15, Jesus said, For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart. You see, we understand things with our hearts. We make purposes to do things with our hearts. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the things of the it belonged to the king of Babylon. We purpose in our heart. We even believe in our heart, with our heart. In Romans the 10th chapter, verses 9 and 10, we learn that if you will believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It is with the heart that we obey God, or we disobey for that matter. In Romans the 6th chapter, verses 17 and 18, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. 
being then made free from sin. So we become free from sin when we obey God from the heart. Now a person, because he is a volitional uh, person, that is God has given us the power of choice, can choose to disobey God. Because we have the power of choice, we can choose to not remember the word of God. Because we have the power of choice, we can choose not to love God, not to confess Jesus Christ from our heart. You see, God made you with the power of decision. And Jesus on one occasion was talking about that when he said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But we do that with our heart. Obey from the heart. You know what's wrong with America today? You say, well, Brother Lambert, I've heard all kinds of preachers talking about things that, 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 that's wrong with America today. You say, I, I think we've got the problem with the COVID-19, and that's true. And, and we've got people that are out of jobs. I, that's what's wrong right now. It's a lot of people still out of work because of the COVID-19, and that, that's true. But Lee, you know the real problem with America and the real problem with the rest of the world is a heart problem. It's not a lack of money. It's not the lack of jobs. It, it, it's a fact that our hearts are not right with God. Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Those are the things that come out of the heart of man. Well, we're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, even the things we think. I want to thank you today for watching Getting to Know Your Bible. And let me encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also now pick up the phone, call for the free Bible correspondence course. Do that right now while you're thinking about it. And also, we want you to tell someone else about Getting to Know Your Bible. Until we meet again, I want the Lord to bless you and the Lord to keep you until we meet again. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214.
Join us next time for getting to know your Bible.